It is a period of civil war. Welcome to the podcast within a podcast, Rogue Ones, where some of our hosts go rogue, seemingly to only talk about the High Republic, but who is to say? My name is Ollie. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me on most social media at Ollie Fresh. And the question that we are starting with today, um, usually in RuPaul's Pod Race, we come up with the gender of the week, but we're not doing that for Rogue Ones. Um, the question that we would like to answer is, would you rather fight the Nihil or the Drengir? I, hands down, I think the Nihil. Um, the Drengir are <laughs> so scary to me as a concept. They fit basically every like horror movie aspect that deeply terrifies me. Um, and the Nihil are just like guys. Like they're just guys. I mean, they're also like, that's like a gender neutral guys. They're just guys. I mean, to be fair, they're what are they but like selling like sugar bear hair, hair vitamins? Not the MLM. <laughs> Look, I mean, here's the thing. I've, I've, people have tried to recruit me to like pyramid schemes before. Um, I feel like I know how to turn that down. I feel like I have a chance there, especially depending on like who it is. Cause I feel like there are certain like Tempest Runner teams, certain clouds that I could take on pretty, pretty simply because I am very cool. Hi, I'm Jess. My pronouns are they, them. My social media is um, at Kawaii Jessio, like on, on Twitter and TikTok. And um, yeah, between the, the Nihil and the, and the Drengear, I'd also have to go with the Nihil because yeah, they're, they're just a bunch of fucking... <laughs> ravers like taking having a bad time <laughs> well they're having a good time I guess but they're having everyone else is having a bad time <laughs> and um I think I could take some of them on in a fight but the drink gear would immediately kill me I don't think <laughs> I would survive an encounter with the drink gear hi it's me Mel I'm the wedge Antilles of this podcast where and I'm just kind of here for whatever reason um you can find me on social media at Grunkle Rex, um, or specifically TikTok. Uh, I use they, them pronouns, and I would also fight the Nile. Um, the thing with the Drengear is that, like Ollie, they freak me out very badly. Like, there is a, a, I forgot which issue of the High Republic comic it is, where, like, they just are, like, up in people's mouths, and I do not enjoy that. I'm not, that is a, not Yeah, a I forgot about that. That looked, ugh. The whole, that shit do look like it hurted and I I do think about that a lot that's every time I go to read one of the comics I'm like okay I need to prepare myself for what I am about to see um but yeah we are here today to talk about the High Republic and we are specifically talking about the first three books um which is Light of the Jedi um, which we'll be touching on um Into the Dark and A Test of Courage we're also going to be talking about, I believe, up to issue seven of the comics. What is everyone's thoughts? There's so much going on. Um, I will say I am also sort of the last one in the gate um, or out of the gate. <laughs> well, like for the three of us here, but we all know Claudia has not even touched them. Yeah. That was... Sorry, guys. Sorry, Claudia. We're calling you out. Um, but yeah, so I am still the newest I think everyone else here has actually finished everything I have not um so this is a lot f very fresh in my mind okay. I was actually going to ask the both of you like just as like a little precursor of like 
you don't have to go super into it obviously because this is an episode specifically not about the light of the jedi but just like your thoughts going from light of the jedi into this stuff i really liked light of the jedi um it was a totally different experience from almost every other star wars book and most other books that i have read um like fantasy sci-fi wise I was not expecting the next two to be so like micro level because Light of the Jedi is very macro. So it, it's a huge scale. It's introducing you to the world. Whereas the next two are uh, Into the Dark and A Test of Courage are both very micro level. It's very much their own self-contained story within the world. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting change of pace. At first it was kind of like, I thought it was kind of weird and I had a little bit of trouble like getting into it because I had to sort of connect with the different style of storytelling. But once I did, and now that I've read them and looking back on them, like I really enjoyed them. I think they, they've they fallen into a pattern of creating a world and setting and then putting smaller narratives in to flesh out the world, which is something I love. Yeah, like Ollie, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it did um blindside me a bit because of how it went from zero to a hundred real quick within the first chapter I was like oh oh okay I guess um although to be honest uh the first half of the or not first half because I guess it's like three parts of the book right the first part of the book is a little um hard to get through I feel like it uh was like trudging along at least for me or I did read the first part of the book and then just dropped the book for like three months and then came back but then when I did um actually get into into the thick of it to quote uh the backyard again uh it was really good all the characters that are introduced and um the world that they're like living in at this time period is just everything that I, I wish that the later Star Wars stuff is too. I mean, I guess it's still like that, but I don't know. There's just something about Light of the Jedi that um very um, I'm I'm trying to find a good word for what I'm thinking of. Why is the first word I'm thinking of majestic? That's not the feeling I'm feeling. Yep, come back to me. I'll I'll figure it out eventually. But yeah, I thought it was really fun, good setup, like Ollie said too, for the, the other books like Into the Dark and A Test of Courage. I will, I will say, I actually think that that first, what, third, first, yeah, it's the first third of Light of the Jedi. I really liked it. That's almost, I want to say that's almost my favorite part of the book. Um, I just like the way that it establishes how different the Jedi Order is from what we see later on in a world where not only do we have Avar Chris, whose whole thing is like linking the Jedi, but they also seem so cohesive. Um, and so like prepared to deal with matters that are entirely out of proportion with anything they've had to deal with before. Um, yeah, I just really like that whole sequence. And I love the part where they're like repeating that mantra. I think Noah said it in the last Rogue Ones. Yeah, that was really like, good. They were like, we will move it. And I was like, oh my God, I thought about that for so long after I finished the book. Yeah, I completely agree. Light of the Jedi, I think what was really refreshing to me about it, especially coming into Star Wars, you know, Star Wars as we've known it has been the Skywalker saga, all nine movies 
um, in the the main Star Wars line, not you know Solo or Rogue One, uh, which I mean ostensibly are part of the Skywalker saga because they involve people who are close to that narrative. Um, it is so refreshing to have a no true main character. Um, because like sure, like Avar is on the cover. She's at like the the main like focal point on the cover, but she's not she's not the main character. Um, and she has like a story that is relevant and we care about, but like. There is some sense of greater community that is so lost in in the main Star Wars mainline, um, simply because that's just like the difference of the story. And I think that's really powerful. And I just like I like the collaborative nature also of these books. Um, and I think to kind of jump into the more the books that we're going to be talking about in this episode um, of seeing other authors interpretations of other people's characters. It's like people handing around their OCs. And I love that very much. Yeah. Like in, in theater terms, I guess this is more like of an, an ensemble heavy um, story, which it's like Mel said, really refreshing compared to it being a focus on the Skywalkers. Like, sorry to the Skywalkers, but the High Republic cast is just kind of built different. I agree 100%. I think this is almost something that I love about Clone Wars so much and why I think it's one of, why I think, like, I think that the TV shows are some of the best part of Star Wars is that it lets you flesh out um, a big universe that is set up by the movies Um, because in Clone Wars we see so many other characters and so many other stories that while we know the main characters are like Ahsoka and Anakin and Obi-Wan and sometimes Rex depending on the day we get to see so much other stuff and so much other world building Um, and that's like my favorite part of the Clone Wars and that is something that the High Republic has delivered on so well I was so excited to see that it like it immediately had me hooked. It's been neat to look at also non-Jedi characters in the Star Wars universe and like really get to look at them. Once again, Rogue One, Solo, these were option like opportunities for us to explore those parts. But, you know, into the dark, we have um Affy, we have Leox, and we have Geode. And those characters, they're my favorite part of the book personally. I just love the dynamic that they have. Um and the fact that they made me the fact that Claudia Gray made me care about a goddamn rock being is very powerful. Um and the way I just, I think about that scene where Affy is like, where's Geode? And Leox is like, oh, he's at the club. And I was like, what is, how does he move? The idea of walking into a club and is you're he... like seeing Geode there, like he's on a skateboard. The bar. She's on a skateboard. Geode, Geode at the strip club, what will he do? <laughs> he's just on he a skateboard. He would give so, so much like tips to like all, oh, the, he... all, the, all the dancers. He's you know respectful. It you know that Geode is not only respectful, but also an incredible tipper. As a as a um, terminal customer service worker, um, Geode really just seems like someone who would respect my time. Um, he's, the phone calls are short and to the point, and I love that for him. It's just silence, but you know what he's saying. Exactly. He's like, here. he calls and I'm like, hello? Okay, I, I, I'll get that done for you right away. I do um, like to think about one of the moments towards the beginning of the book where Aretha's interacting with Geode and then he's just like so um the situation huh and then they're all just like Geode is having a moment you like 
could you like leave him alone he's he's kind of having a tough time he just needs a moment I when I first read that part I felt really insane because I felt a lot like Reef, where I was just like what is happening with this fucking rock but Geode is um a king we stand Geode in this house I, I think that that's also something I really like about Star Wars is the non-Jedi stuff but I think with the way that the High Republic has situated itself it makes even the Jedi not say even the Jedi like they're not interesting in other pieces of Star Wars media but it gives all of the Jedi very different personalities and very different interpretations of the force um, and that's covered in light of the Jedi but it makes them I would think equally as interesting because they also have their own moral codes much like non-Jedi characters um, that's one of the reasons that I really liked um, I loved the story with uh, Comac and Orla in Into the Dark because it really colors like here's Jedi who are different but aren't like Anakin because I feel like that's one of our biggest things in like the prequel era is that it's like pretty much all of the Jedi feel really similarly except for Anakin who has problems um, but it really shows us such a wide range of beliefs and interpretations of the force, not just in how they tap into it, but in what it means and how it guides a person. Um, I think that that's such a cool aspect that it really gets into in Into the Dark. Yeah, um, we're not talking about this book right now, of course, um, but Out of the Shadows has a character who is not force sensitive, but still believes in the force and like has like that very interesting like thought process about it. Um, and I'm so I'm, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. On yeah, that, oh my I, god. Jordana, my beloved. Um, anyways. I love not knowing what's going on. Um oh, also fun fact. Um, sorry, this is just um I, I need to quit get on my <laughs> my shit. Um I live tweeted reading basically all of these books. Um, and I feel very bad for the people who who have not who might have been spoiled from the things I have said on my Twitter threads. Um, but I truly cannot described like it felt like I was watching a movie reading all of these books in in the way that I was like so deeply hooked and I was like I was saying shit aloud like <laughs> like um not to get into the test of courage already because we can you know kind of move back and forth freely um but the the part where Vern what well, well, <laughs> when fucking Imri is like you are either with me or against me girl and I'm gonna go to the dark side and Vernetra was like oh word are we going to fight about this right now? And Imri's like, yeah. And she beats the shit out of him. I was like, I was like scream laughing because I was like, dude, like you are 14 years old. You're going to try to beat a, a Jedi, a Jedi Knight. And you are, you're a child. I know she is also a child, but like, she's a child who is a Jedi Knight. That I do think not to jump around too much, but something that did make me laugh in a test of courage. And I do realize like what, um, it was trying to say now, like thinking about it, but when Vernestra was like, I don't want Emery to see my light, my light whip because I'm afraid it'll turn him to the dark side. I was like, why? this feels like some sort of propaganda, but I don't know what kind. Like, it's like, I don't want my kid to see gay people because it'll turn them gay. Not <laughs> I don't burn trying to hide gay people from Emery. <laughs> I mean, I mean, basically. No, Justina Ireland actually has really fed us in terms of like the queer representation and queer representation that feels like nat like sorry, once again, I'm jumping all around, but there is some queer rep in these books where I'm like, okay, like you're here, you're queer, 
get used to it. Get used I guess. to it, I guess. Um, like the Santeca husbands, which okay, here, let's do a quick poll. Who realized that they were gay in when they read the book? Me. What? <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't fucking realize because I'm stupid. He said no, his husband. I know, but listen Noah Noah also didn't realize. Okay, listen, uh to be fair, I was just listening to the audiobook at two times speed and like also doing other things at the same time. So I think I just did not hear that part. I was like, oh yeah, they're you know, they're besties. <laughs> Estes with the same last name. It's the same way that Kanan and Hera, when Hera calls Kanan love in the first season, but they're just like besties. <laughs> That's like, uh Not just straight watching the Santecos. <laughs> they're gals. I'm so sorry. I just also really like how how these books in a roundabout way are also connecting to other parts of the Star Wars universe going back to Into the Dark. Because the Amaxine Station, is that how you say it? That's how I read it. Um is the station that Snoke hangs out in. That is the place where he oh, like, yeah. takes Kylo Ren to be like, we're evil, ooh. Um, and the idea of Kylo Ren st- like stumbling upon the Drangir and being like, oh, fuck, I fucked up. This is how we're decanonizing <gasps> the sequels. The Drangir oh fucking God. beat the shit out of Kylo Ren. To all the people who are saying fire the SJW High Republic writers, they're the ones doing the work to decanonize the sequel. So maybe you should stay in your lane. Um, I can't with that. No, but you're so right. Like, I there are so many times where they will say something in one of these books and reference like how they perceive the force or like some trick they can do or like some situation in the galaxy where I'm like, oh, I understand that because I've seen a, I've seen Star Wars. Oh my god. Um, I also do like when they will reference something and be like, yeah, that's, that's something like when they were like, yeah, the Mandalorians haven't started a war in a little while. <laughs> it was like a period. Good for them. Yeah, actually, um, uh, uh, Palpatine is a baby right now. And we actually switched to his POV in the rising storm. Um, <laughs> not, oh my God. That's, that's <laughs> Elzar man's baby is Sheev Palpatine. <laughs> no, no, he would never. Not. <laughs> Palpatine uh, being the polyculed love child. No, the Santeca husbands are like their their home is like on Naboo, right? And Palpatine yeah. is from Naboo. No! Palpatine's actually related to the Santeca husband. I can't with that. Oh no, not not One thing that I thought was very cool. Um, if you guys listen to our main podcast, you'll know that there's something about me and it's that I am obsessed with the Lasats. I think they're so cool. Um, I love to learn more about them. It pains me that the only two that we have seen, um, there were, there have been two mentioned, I believe both of them are in, um, uh, into the dark and neither of them are actually like from Lasan or from Lirasan. And I'm like, I am so desperate to know lore about that. And I'm like, please, someone write a book about it. But I'm like, dang, this one guy's just like a mercenary who's like, I hate lesbians. <laughs> and this other guy, well, this other woman, I believe, is a Jedi, which I think is very cool. I think we should just start accruing Lasats and just let's see how many of them we can get in canon. We're up to um, one, two, three, four, five. We're up to five, so... Let's get some more in there. No, six. Yeah, six. So have... no, I was like, there's six. So sorry. So sorry, so sorry Paul. I forgot about Yeah, the Chava. two in um, the High Republic, the three in Rebels, and then Darth Paul. Um, yeah. 
I, I really, I enjoy getting to explore like all these different like alien, um, not alien. Oh my god, cancel Mel party. Um, Mel's over party. Um, all these non-human species is like they're really. Not only are we getting to explore ones that we already know of, but also like getting to introduce new ones. Um, and I think that that is very fun and epic. Um, for example, I, would you describe the Drangir as like an alien species? Because I mean, they are sentient. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, and I they have their so. own planet originally, right? Mm-hmm. They I came from so. somewhere, so they gotta be their own. Keeve knows. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Keeve, you you do you. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's really cool to see like new facets of the world fleshed out. Um, what I also like to see too is like we have the existing ones. Like we saw like Orla, who's an Umbaran. We've seen the Umbarans very limitedly and they were basically just like vill- like one-dimensional villains. Um, so it was really cool getting to see like, oh, here's an actual person. Like they're actually people which I love. Um, There's so many, I think, facets in Star Wars and so much that we can go into um, regarding like non-human politics. And a lot of the times in the shows and the movies, I almost don't want them to because I know they're not going to be able to handle it well. But there's stuff that in the books, I think can be handled really well and not to bring up Thrawn. But you see Thrawn deals with like non-human politics more than any show or movie does and I think it does it better than they would have been able to and that's something I'm seeing again in the High Republic is like there there are non-humans and they are there and there is not a lot of like non-human like racism or xenophobia I guess um so it's kind of interesting I guess we'll see the way that that goes how we get from where we are in the High Republic to where we are in the prequels era i do truly think it's like the work of like fucking sheev and like darth plagueis where whatever the fuck happens there because like this is an era that like no you're completely right like sure there are facets of like oppression that are are obviously working like i don't think i I think if classism didn't exist in star wars the nihil would not be a thing um amongst like a whole lot of other things it is it is very interesting um we're not talking about the rising storm but there is some like very interesting politics there about like just how how non-human species are interacting with with the core worlds which are largely human um and during this time even i would argue like are are more diverse um and i think also books help with with having more like non-human diversity because movies in movies it's hard to have you're either cgiing them or like you know doing like that the the special effects and that can be difficult um i also really appreciate the high republic for trying to dismantle some of the more icky racial stereotypes of of some of these alien species um wet bub in light of the jedi is not necessarily a good example but there are like some other gungan characters gungan rights um yeah gungan rights I'm just happy to see that they that they get to have like a little bit more autonomy and like aren't just like menstrual menstrual joke ha ha ha. Yeah, I think that what's really cool too is because the higher public authors are kind of getting the opportunity to make their own world, so to speak. They are able to make. Um, I think that the villains feel so much more human 
than they have felt in Star Wars in the past because even with characters that they tried so hard to humanize like villains that they've tried to humanize like I think Kylo Ren is a perfect example of like oh he's I mean he's a human but being like oh he's just um he's a tortured soul I feel like with the Nihil and even with the Drangir I think to a certain extent they feel like people and they feel like it's like okay they have a clear motivation and it's clear how they got here they're obviously the bad guys and it is not framed for me to feel sympathy for them or like them but they almost feel scarier because of that I think like the Nihil feel like something that is so real yeah because MLMs are real have you ever gotten a message that said hey girly would you like to be didn't always say at the beginning (laughs) but also I love uh the thought of humanizing the Drangir and their motivation being like we're just hungry bitch we've all been there they're just hangry they really are they got trapped for like who knows how long and then they woke up and we're like hey what the fuck hey Drangir eat a Snickers you're not you when you're hungry okay also I want a Snickers and I think it's also very funny that it was the Sith you see it in the comics um that the sith were the ones to trap the, the drangir on the the fucking maxine station and it's like damn bitch y'all are evil in the sense that like you're gonna make you're gonna like make these beasts like resent like non-drangir even more because you're like i'm gonna antagonize you fuck you you're stuck here they <laughs> said fuck you you stupid plants goodbye i liked fuck you, you stupid fruits <laughs> um what i really liked too is um the way that in into the dark when Komak and Orla are first like engaging with the Drangir they're like oh they're the same ones who locked us up and the other one's like no those ones had red blades their blades aren't red and then for a second I was like oh are they gonna like work together and then they were like eat them I was like okay they're probably not gonna work together do we want to get into a test of courage actually yeah let's get into (laughs) yeah Arinda. Not Arinda. Arinda. Let's talk about I, I'm gonna do my my driller voice. Let's talk about a test of courage. My Doesn't one of the Santeca was there? <laughs> oh, Doesn't one of the Santeca husbands sound like that? Um I th- I listened to the audiobook for Light of the Jedi, and I'm pretty sure one of them does sound like that because fucking Mark Thompson doesn't have Mark, many voices. Mark has given me fucking Stockholm syndrome because the whole time I read anything that's like not Mark Thompson, I'm like, who the fuck is that? And then I hear Mark do a voice for a woman and I'm like, oh no. To be fair, his woman voices I think have gotten better. Not to get too much into the audiobooks, but like I really do like I think the audiobooks for this for the High Republic are really well done. And like the sound design is really good. Um I also think the acting is spectacular, not to be a Mark Thompson stand on main. Like he's a really, really good actor. And I realize that while reading Light of the Jedi, because there's so many characters, and not one of them was I like, oh, this sounds just like this person, like maybe from another book that he has done but never like in that book itself did I think like, oh, this character sounds just like this other character from this other part of the world. Yeah, speaking of which, I do believe Mark Thompson's voice for Martian Rowe, Mark Rowe, or as we're now the newest evolution, Marcus Rowe, um, does kind of sound like Anakin and Lakinda, like had a love child, Lakinda from the Thrawn Greater Good audiobook, and then Anakin from Star Wars. Have you heard of that one? <laughs> Um, no, I've actually never heard of that. Oh, it's was... actually this like movie series. I think you'd enjoy it. 
I actually I um, hate you too. I actually don't like movies. Is there anything else that I could? There's actually some books. There's some audiobooks you could try out. Oh really? I fucking Who's hate in them? you too. Is is Anakin from Star Wars I, in them? I was gonna say since you brought up Mark Marcus um, Rowe, it's Mark Mark Thompson Rowe since he is voicing Martian for. Uh, Tempest Runners, but yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, I'm very excited for Tempest Runner. Like today, um, now that I have finished my High Republic speed run, I'm going back to the um, Star Wars YouTube channel and watching all of the backlog of like the High Republic show. And first of all, it has helped me contextualize a lot of the events that I have read. And I'm like, oh, wait. Um, and it has dissuaded my one fear for the future of the, the series. But I will not go into that because once again, no spoilers. Well, spoilers for this, but you know what I, the fuck I mean. Anyways. Um, a test of courage. A test of courage. Um, hearing the... I forgot who's the voice actress for A Test of Courage, the audiobook. Kaylor Lair? What is her last... I forgot her last name. Let her me first look name is Kaylor. Really okay. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Kaylor something. I will, I will talk a little bit about that. I think that really... That was really refreshing to me because, once again, I do really enjoy Tar- Mark Thompson. Um, but, like, having that kind of, like, reprieve of, like here's a female narrator um was very nice um that being said and once again this is like not this is like not even a spoiler for race to crash point tower but they have a different narrator than mark thompson kayler lee or lay oh oh fucking todd Habercorn. yeah that voice did really like throw me off because i was so used to mark being the voice um that i was yeah. like oh i have to start this over because i'm like what the fuck is just happening when i started um uh, Into the Dark, the audiobook. Um, Dan Bittner, who I also think is a very good actor, um, as soon as he started speaking, I was like, "That's not Mark." Not that there's anything wrong. I, like, I, I really, <laughs> I really enjoyed his. Um, I really enjoyed his portrayal of the characters. It's going to be very weird to hear any of them not as him. Yeah, I felt that way too because I did listen to all of them as audiobooks, and I read along to a few of them, but not all of them. But um, going from Mark Thompson, especially because the other audiobooks I had listened to before were all of the Theron books that are also narrated by Mark Thompson. So when I went to Into the Dark After Live the Jedi and it wasn't Mark Thompson anymore, I was just like, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? You're not Mark Thompson. But no, he did really well. I really loved um, his wreath, even though Ollie has now kind of um, messed that up in my head because Ollie said <laughs> Dipper Pines and now I can't unhear. He, I mean, he sounds like Dipper Pines and Nan sounds like Jennifer Coolidge. Um, <laughs> Nan sounds like, oh no! <laughs> like Jennifer Coolidge, I'm telling you. Jess, can you confirm? She's like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> she's like, ah, you, you would have looked like the 4th of July if you joined the Nile. <laughs> Nan is, okay, so that's... Sorry, not to not to get us back in onto the topic, um, but I really do like all the, like the side characters that were like, oh, they're just gonna be here for this one book, and then like seeing them in other properties. I know that like Ali can't necessarily quite speak to this yet, um, and I won't get too far deeper than that. Um, but like characters like Leox, Geode, and Affy, like they all do. Like, we're seeing other things that they're up to. And, and the same for, for Nan and others. And I think that that is, that's fun and exciting. And just seeing how they interlock with this overall narrative is also very satisfying. Um, also seeing, like, I cannot wait to see Keeve in a book. I'm just very excited to, like, see see how she interacts with all these other characters. I cannot wait. We've joked on this podcast um, and just on social media about the, the Avar 
Elzar, and Stellan Polycule. Seeing those three individuals together in a book is going to make me insane. I know for a fact, because there are some moments... Oh, fuck, that's the rising storm. Never mind. I won't talk about it. But there are some moments where I'm like, God damn, these people, they're just, like, just kiss, and you are in a polycule, bestie. Um, I do worry that if you put the three of them together, they will have a Steven Universe, like, fusion and become Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi's no, actually you're so the, right, the gemstone of... <laughs> Not the gemstone being Obi-Wan. Uh, I now like to headcanon that um, Obi-Wan having like probably read some like jedi history did read about avar stellan and elzar and just like damn them those are the blueprint that's who i want my whole personality to be sorry i keep on like jumping around um but i I remember what my original point was when i was talking about um like all these side characters coming back into the narrative um a character that i really loved in a test of courage was avon staros um I just love to see a girl boss winning and she was 12 years old and like fully the fact that they went through so much peril as little children like I read the Percy Jackson books as a child and I was like this is fine even though they're like you know like 14 and 15 when those like books happen at like the end of the series like I think they start this series as like 12 year olds I think that there's just there's something very humanizing also of seeing these Jedi like interact with people and have like this amount of empathy because of what we saw in the Clone Wars, which is not to say that they didn't have empathy for for the average person, but there was like a detachment that that hindered them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, I think that this is a really good um, time to bring up the Martez sisters arc in season seven of the Clone Wars um, when they were like yeah our family died and the Jedi who came to see us was like well they're with the force now um, which was Luminara and there's no Luminara hate here (laughs) I will not tolerate that Um, but I do think it's a great example of how the Jedi order did kind of shift more to almost being like an like an insulated thing that I think in the High Republic you see Vern um Vernestra is like Avon you have to be more like empathetic like Vern is uh Vernestra is like always clearly very empathetic so even though she's like well this would work this coping mechanism would work for me she does not tell Imri to do the same thing when he loses Douglas that she tells honesty to do after losing his father because she realizes that different people cope different in different ways and the Jedi view loss in a much different way than like a non-Jedi would um so I thought that was really like the talking about the ways that they talked about empathy and grief were really interesting. Yeah, especially for like a middle grade readers book. This was like I of of the High Republic books that I have read, which is to say all of them, um, a, a Test of Courage and the Rising Storm are very close in in terms of like my favorite. Um, and because we're talking about these specific books, I will be talking about how The Test of Courage is my favorite of the of the High Republic books because of how it deals with grief and how it just has like this very honest portrayal of like rage and that is as a as a way of grieving. <laughs> Not to be an honesty weftkinny on Maine, but there was something truly like I have not seen that I've seen it in other media, kind of, but to have it explored in this kind of more fantasy world, um, even though he's like, you know, a normie within the fantasy world, was was very surprising. And I, I truly did not 
realized how much I was going to relate to these characters, even though they're middle grade characters. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I thought, because the test of cards I thought was very, very good. Um, And I tend to not be someone who reads a lot of like stuff that I don't want to be like, oh, stuff that's below my age range, because that's not what I mean. Um, But I do tend to lean more towards books that are written like for adults. But reading this was a really interesting change of pace because it didn't really feel like it was dumbed down. Um, And I think this is what we've been really lucky with a lot of Star Wars um, shows and Star Wars media is they haven't dumbed a lot of stuff down for kids thinking that they won't be able to understand because that's a huge pet peeve of mine um, is the idea that children can't have or dissect um, complicated feelings or you know stuff that's not super simple Um, but I was really impressed because while there was definitely a tonal difference and like a plot difference the actual emotions and the situations that were talked about were not super tonally different from the other High Republic books that I had read so far. Yeah, as someone who was deeply broken by The Rising Storm, I will say that, like, I I cried because of that book, but I also cried because of Test of Courage because there are just, like, these scenes that treat young people as though they are people. It's good to see in your Star Wars, and it's good to see just, I don't know, Justina Ireland, I'm your biggest fan. Please come on to this podcast. Yeah, Justina, Justina, if you're around, um, you're free. I will make time for you. I also feel like Vern, Vernestra could, I feel, be in any era of Star Wars and would, like, figure it out. Like, she'd be like, okay, let's not have this problem anymore. Put her in um the original trilogy and she'd be like okay I'm gonna go (laughs) take out Palpatine but I'm gonna she's you know where Luke tried to negotiate and be like please don't do this she would have been able to do it she would have like takes out her light whip and just is like this is the guillotine yeah (laughs) I do like her being like Palpatine I'm I don't want to kill you because it's not the Jedi way and he's like what is the Sith way and she's like I don't care stop and he's like oh okay (laughs) I agree with like um if you put Vern in anything she would have um Vern would decanonize any of the, the other trilogies you put her in the prequels she would have like met Anakin Skywalker as like a padawan and been like hey cut that shit out no she would have empathized with him and probably um would have talked him out of a lot of his um bad feelings she Palpatine would have never gotten his crusty little um claws on on Anakin I do think that Vern really would have helped Anakin in a way that no other Jedi did simply based on her experiences as as a young Jedi yeah I I agree um 100% um I think it's again it's something that we don't see a lot in um Star Wars media later in the timeline with the Jedi is that like empathy that is not driven by the idea of the the ideals of the Jedi Order. It is just being a good person. Um, and you see that a lot with the Jedi of this era and with the people of this era. Um, it almost feels like the closest person I'm now realizing that Vern sort of feels like to me is Kanan. Not in the same necessarily way, but almost in the way that they interact with people who are like, like their philosophies around interacting with people who are not um, like force sensitive there's something there I don't really have it fully fleshed out but yeah um I think it has to do with how reactions to trauma 
because we see in Rebels that Ezra finds out that his parents are dead and Kanan does not just let him like like seethe he like is like there for him like not only just like emotionally but like physically like hugs him um and I think that that is also like hashtag Vern behavior of her being like I I give a shit about you Avon and I give a shit about you Honesty and Emery and I'm so sorry that this happened to you um, but we do have to move through this forest because the rain is acid. I think that a test of courage really shows like what the Jedi excel at. Um, and it really gives us, I think, some of the deepest insight as to what the Jedi do when it is not strictly like, here, I'm here with the order or, oh, I'm on a mission for the war. <laughs> so I really like that part because it did show like, like even my man, my man, Dougie, um, even though he was only in it for a short time, you really see him interacting with all of these people and being like in the conversation and being like, yeah, no, I'm just a dude and I'm just here to hang out and like be cool. And like, if you guys need me to chase some pirates away, okay. Like, yeah. Um, Speaking of of Jedi in different time periods, um, we had kind of talked about it just like outside of the podcast. Um, This is something I I personally believe in, um, that Ahsoka and Vern are so both similar and not alike um because i think that Vern is i'm not gonna say much more in tune with her emotions because i think ahsoka is very in tune with her emotions but like based on like their age and maturity i think that there is something to be said of like Vern, Vern and ahsoka both have to grow up kind of fast you know because Vern is thrust into the position of jedi at a very young age and ahsoka is you know thrown into a war um and i think about how like if ahsoka hadn't left the order at the end of the wrong jedi arc like her and her and vernestra would have been the youngest jedi in the order and i think that that says something about like the quality of ahsoka tano and like i just those two together they could have stopped palpatine they could have they could have ended the Clone Wars. They're the perfect good cop, bad cop. Um, I think, I like the idea of Vern being the bad cop. She's, she's <laughs> got like the, the light whip. <laughs> I like the idea of Ahsoka being like, I want to be the good cop. <laughs> and Vern's like, I, okay, sure. I'm empathetic, so I will let you lead the way. <laughs> Vern being like, I'm an empath. Emery. <laughs> not to uh you're acting a little weird but i'm an empath so i can tell and i'm feeling your emotions too that's like burry we'll get into that gentleman not to bring up like Vern decanonizing fucking everything again but yeah if again if she was uh put in prequels era and teamed up with ahsoka they they could have saved Anakin Skywalker. I hate that I like truly believe this as someone who is like anti-Anakin. Um, if Vern Vern is there, she and Ahsoka team up. They saved Anakin, just like how Vern was able to stop Imri being like, "Don't get in my way, or I'll kill you." Anakin would pull that shit too, like the scene from Revenge of the Sith, except with. <laughs> Instead of Obi-Wan, it's Vernestra. You're just like, if you're not with me, then you're my enemy as you pulled out her fucking light with. And just like, no, you shut up and think about your actions, Anakin. I do like the idea of Vern being like, rest in peace to Obi-Wan, but I'm different. <laughs> Vern being like, that's 
like people, oh, if Qui-Gon had been Anakin's master, he wouldn't have turned, which I always think is so dumb because it's not really about who his master was. The fact was that he was like deeply manipulated by Sidious and it would have happened regardless of who his master was. I think unless it was Mace Windu, but that's a conversation for a different day. Um, but people always have that conversation. Um, but not Vern. If Vernestra was his master, she would have figured it out. I also do enjoy the idea of Vernestra being not like an adult Vernestra. Like I'm talking like like 15 year old Vernestra Rowe being like, all right, Anakin, you are nine years old. We're going to chill out, have a good time. And you are not hanging out with a grown ass man who is requesting to talk to a nine year old boy. How about that? Anyways, I do like Vern teaching Imri about stranger danger. Um, and he's like, but we're Jedi. Aren't we supposed to do outreach? And she's like, that's, I mean, look, I appreciate your tenacity, bud, but no. Do you know them? We have a code word. So if I send someone to come pick you up, you need to make sure that you ask them for the code word. What is the, the code, code word? word? The code word is cheery, which is the name of that little monkey <laughs> that he has. Oh, R.I.P. little monkey cheery. I also cannot believe that they named it cheery. <laughs> which is the same name as Cheery. It's spelled differently, but it's pronounced the same way as Cheery from Thrawn Ascendancy. That is the only Thrawn nod we're going to get in this entire fucking series, isn't it? Is fucking Cheery the monkey. No, um, that's something I've been also thinking about a lot. I'm like, you know what would be pretty rad um, if 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 the Drengear or whatever the fuck, or just like, I just want to see Lysatra. Um... That is something I really want to see in the High Republic. And it's something I know for a fact because it's like in wild space and they're like, oh, the Outer Rim is really frontier. So if if, if that's really frontier, wild space has got to be like fucking, <laughs> fucking Jeff Bezos going into space for 90 seconds. Like, goddamn. Anyways. No, get out. Yeah. So the comics, let's talk about them. I think the pacing of them is really good. I think the, the characters are so interesting as well um we don't get quite as much of like an insight as to like what they're thinking in their whole thought process because we don't have the luxury of it being a book that can take a chapter or like um a page to explain where they're at um so there were times I think where I was a little bit confused but after reading it I was like okay I understand now um but I think the pacing's really good I think the story is really interesting um, and I think it ties in really well with the universe. Um, it really like actually does the work of fleshing it out, which I really like. Yeah, to see more of um, Avar, and, which is nice because she is off being an epic girl boss uh, and has not been in any of the other the, of the books since. Well, besides just like quick parts where they kind of interact with her and then they're like, okay, peace out, bye Avar. We're leaving the station, so we'll we'll talk to you when we get back, I guess. But uh, seeing her in the comics is really fun and nice. Uh, also, Skier, uh, epic Trandoshan. Uh, I thought um, Bosk was my favorite Trandoshan, but maybe that was because he was the only Trandoshan I knew before, like Sid, and now Skier. So I'm just like, wow, I really love um, the typers today here. Although he's um going through it, Ollie and and Mel have, well I think it started with fucking Mel pointing out that Sarah 
and and Tarek look like Jeff the killer and I can't unsee it. It makes me upset. We can't have our first conversation about a canon non-binary character be t- calling them Jeff the killers. I do want to talk about those two funky little little, uh, little buddies. Um, I think <laughs> one of my favorite parts from the comic. I So there's a lot of reasons that I really like this because we are going to talk more about what they mean for trans representation and non-binary representation specifically. Um, But something that did make me laugh is (laughs) when one of them is having one of those moments and Vern is like, he needs help. And Ava runs over and she's like, not he, they. All I could think of is like (laughs) Vern being like, he needs help or oh help he and Avar's like not he they and Vern's like great they are about to die like I don't think that Vern is ever misgendering someone and this is not me making a joke about like someone being misgendered but I just feel like I'm like Avar that's not the biggest problem to deal with right now like good for you I really appreciate you making sure that we're using everyone's correct pronouns but also they are having a bit of an issue. I guess we could actually kind of get into that conversation right now about Tarek and Sarek. I think that's like a natural way to talk about like trans non- and non-binary representation in the High Republic um, because they're not the only non-binary characters, but I feel like they're the ones that people are talking about the most. Um, and that comes in twofold, I feel like. Um, we're not going to talk about the other non-binary Jedi just because Ollie hasn't read those comics yet. Tarek and Sarek are very interesting to me. Yes, Jess was correct. I did. I saw them and immediately clocked them as Jeff the Killer looking asses. <laughs> they just, there's a look about them that is very, not upsetting to me. I'm just like, this is a lot. Uh, and I think that kind of speaks more to, I think that this is very interesting representation because obviously we were in a galaxy that's far, far away. Their perceptions of gender are going to be different than, than ours. Um, and so the idea of their, their gender being this thing that is like a commute, like a communal gender almost, um, because like they're twins and they're like, we use they, them pronouns because we Oh, are. wow. Like when you and Ollie have the same gender that one time. Not us being Tarek and Sarek. Also, first of all, it is Sarek. 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 Sorry, my bad. Okay, Avar Chris, calm down. <laughs> yeah, not Ollie being Avar Chris. Am I Vern? Damn. um just call me avar chris because i'm defending trans people this would be an interesting conversation if it was queer people talking about like queerness and gender um and how that's going to be represented in in this universe um but for so many people like i'm afraid that for people who don't quite understand non-binary people that this representation might not hit the mark um also there's something to be said about like how marginalized people often get represented in fantasy and sci-fi media um as non-human that being said i don't think that that was like something that kevin scott was like i'm going to make these non-binary twin aliens ahaha but yeah i i think that they that there's something interesting there about like gender nonconformity and like different cultures um exploration of gender within the star wars universe but because that it's them and then Cantum Psy, that's three people, and two of them use they them pronouns. We don't quite know if it's like because they I like 
Star Wars has labeled them non-binary because by all means they do fit the, the label of like not in the binary but like like is it culturally significant or is this something that they have just like they grew up and they were like actually we use they them pronouns like are they trans yeah that is the question um I think the other thing with them too I think um it is a really interesting idea of exploring gender nonconformity throughout the Star Wars galaxy, like Mel was saying, but because this is a narrative and it is written by people who are using their um, their opinions and their lens of being in the real world, that this is the first exposure a lot of people are going to get to non-binary people um, and specifically to non-binary people in Star Wars. I think that's also a huge consideration. And again, not to say that there was any malice in creating these two or that, but there is sort of something a little weird about having your first non-binary characters be so weird. Haunting. <laughs> like, they're they're deeply, like, also the fact that I, there are parts in the comic, aside from when the Drangir are, like, sticking their vines in people's noses and stuff, I think maybe some of the scariest panels are of these two. Um, there is a panel that I'm thinking about very specifically that I think is so funny, which is one of them with their hand up on a glass wall and they're looking out into the ship that had been attacked by the Nihil and just, they're just saying survivors. Um, I don't even remember the context, but it's so funny. But yeah, there's something very, something very odd to me about having your first, I mean, your first, I guess, like confirmed transgender character in the High Republic be um, people who are so distinctly unhuman. Um, once again, I... I I think also something that it doesn't bo- uh, it kind of bothers me, but it's not like like with with I'm gonna say normal Star Wars with the rest of Star Wars. If they had like some like if in the sequels there were if there were uh, Sarah and Tarek, um, I would be deeply upset and I would be like, hmm. Um, but I I I think I think also what gets me is once again there is that other non-binary Jedi character who like I just feel like. I have not seen anyone talk about them and they to me and in the the things we've seen them in I feel like they're they're not like you know perfect representation because they are more of a minor character um and I would love to see like a main character um I would love to see in a book not necessarily Tarek and Sarek I would love to like meet like a non-binary pilot or a non-binary politician and like that would be that would be fun what does that have to do with the fact that that non-binary Jedi is a human and also a brown person, um, which kind of stinks. I do think the main reason people are talking about uh, Tarek and Sarah more is because of how they were first introduced in, you know, Pride Month and, you know, Disney pulled that whole thing like, oh yeah, happy Pride. Here's our um, our first, you know, canon non-binary uh, characters. There you go. And there was all that discourse um, about them which is why people seem to know a lot about them and are talking about them specifically. No, I completely agree. I think they were actually announced on TDOV, which is my birthday, Trans Day Visibility, March 31st. Um, and that was like another like punch to the throat of like, oh my God. Jeff the Killer, <laughs> non-binary <laughs> representation. There you go, bestie. You know what? Like you do you besties. And once again, like I think as characters... They're very interesting. I can't wait to see like just more of them in general. Uh, that entire squad, I don't know what to quite call them, like the Starlight Beacon 
Drangir, Dengir, Drangir, Aunties. Drangir Aunties. I think that that is very powerful. Um, I also love like there's like the in general the squad that they have assembled to to take them down. Um, the fact that like oh we can't get can we get into that? No, because I think that has to do with the Republic Fair of like Wreath and Comac being there and amongst other people. Um, seeing Orla, that was pretty epic. Yeah, that was, I, I love Orla so much. I was so excited to see her and I was like, oh my god, woman, you're here. <laughs> I missed you. I was really worried at the end of um, uh, Into the Dark that Orla was just gonna like fuck off and then be gone for a little bit. So as soon as she came back in the comics, I was like, oh, I was pl- pleasant, pleasantly surprised. Can we talk about the huts? The huts and their uh, tie into the, the Drangir anti, anti-club? I would like nothing more. Um, I do like that the huts were like, we're here. And Avar was like, can you please be helpful? And they were like, yeah, okay. Like, this seems like kind of a bad situation for everyone, so... Let's be besties for now. Also, was Avar riding a Rancor? Yes, she was. Yes. That's so good. I can't stop thinking about that. I know we were talking about how Moochie was the the Rancor from the original trilogies, like mom or whatever the fuck. The Rancor that <laughs> the Rancor <laughs> the Rancor that Avar rode and then it was immediately like destroyed in a passion. That was actually the great 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 grandma of moochie so i fucking can't oh my god bad batch reference that's also like i i appreciate that their nods are very subtle to to things that have happened in other star wars uh in the high republic but i won't lie i do kind of miss the mandalorians i would love to know i think that this is actually kind of a good time to kind of explore what the fuck they are up to because there is like you know the mandalorian in in our time like how did they get how did they get from Mr. Darksaber wielder, wielder to Bo-Katan to Din Djarin, you know? Yeah, I'm deeply, like, wishing that the Mandalorians would show up in this, too, because of the same reasons of, like, what's going on with them? Are the Nihil just, and just like, um, hey, don't, don't fuck with Mandalore, because isn't Mandalore in the Outer Rim-like kind of systems? So the Nihil are just like, yeah, we're fucking up the Outer Rim, but we're staying away from the Mandalorians because the Mandalorians will kill us. I do like the idea of Asgar Ro pulling up to Mandalore and being like, okay, guys, let's do it. And they go down there to go and do a quick fight. And the Mandalorians are like, we have guns with bullets in them. And they're like, okay, let's leave. We have the power of gunfu. I don't give a shit about your stupid paths. Yeah, literally, they're like, the only path that you need right now is the one that takes you away from our fucking system. To your goddamn grave. The whole thing with, like, um, Martian Rose, like, family, and and their weird connection to the Jedi, do you think they would have gone up to the Mandalorians, like, hey, you guys uh, don't like Jedi, I think, and we don't like Jedi? You want to team up and then, yeah, the Mandalorians are like, no, we don't want to be part of your MLM. Get the fuck out of here. Get out of our system. I do, like, I'll expose myself as a fake fan. And I don't know much about um, Tar Vizsla. Um, but I do like the idea of Tar Vizsla seeing Martian Rowan being like, okay, get get the fuck out of here. 
he said you don't have like a an eye line on your goddamn helmet i don't give a shit about you like you just have like this menacing eye like girl like t-visor t-visor nation yeah the idea of the idea of him being like i don't like that the mandalorians are gatekeeping me that's some shit he would say, though, is the thing. Yeah, the problem. He'd, he'd be like, they're gatekeeping the Nihil from being man- from Mandalore. And then he'd bring up his dad, too. He's just like, they gatekeeped my dad. <laughs> and thus, they have gatekeeped me. So fuck the Mandalorians. I do like him being like, he, he sent the Mandalore at the time. A DM him was like, hey, girly, um, do you want to destroy the Jedi? Um and they're like, LOL, no. And then he's like, Pan, Lorna, they're gatekeeping me. Wake up, sheeple. Oh, Doesn't okay. even like bring up Casa. <laughs> he said, fuck Casa. Only Pan dead, and but... Lorna. He's like, girl, I don't care about you. I'm so sorry. This, that, this was before, you know, Casa died in light of the Jedi Fly High King. In My the favorite character. Okay, actually, interesting thing I just thought of, because I also don't know a whole lot about, like, Tarvisla. What if he's in the Jedi Order right now? It's 200 years before the events I, of literally everything. I was unsure when Tarvisla was alive. I, I thought he was, like, Old Republic, but that I'm gonna do some live be. fact-checking. Sorry, hold on. You're gonna like, hear me I typing. just know he existed a long-ass time see, ago. Tarvisla, when were you born, bestie? Prior to the sacking of the Jedi Temple. <laughs> Uh, if they mention like um, this is from rising storm but i'm pretty sure ollie's already heard this part i hope <laughs> please god i can't keep doing this <laughs> but just uh you know they mentioned the mandalorians right ollie you you heard them talk in the rising please, storm like, or uh, no what when did they mention in light like, of the, like, oh, light light of the Jedi, they're sorry. trying to figure out what happened with the um the legacy run okay yeah like, sorry no not the mandalorians then this has nothing to do with the rising storm but you know them being like, oh yeah, the Mandalorians haven't done shit in a while, so it can't be them. This has got to be like way after like any Jedi Mandalorian like war. If the Mandalorians have decided to fuck off and be like, stay out of our system, we're gatekeeping. You can't come in here. Yeah, because I mean, there's no. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page now. Um, there's no dates or anything for Tarvisla. The world is our oyster, I guess. Oh my god. Tom and Scott, here's a free boy. I can't wait for um phase two of the High Republic books to be all about Mandalore. Um, they canonized Tarvisla's like involvement with the Jedi being in the High Republic and not like earlier than that. Okay, here's here's my question. Who do we think Tarvisla would hang out with of the High Republic characters? Because I have my answer, but I here's my thing. I again I don't know much about the gentleman. Um I think it would be very funny for him to be like stuck hanging out with Elzar. But like specifically like Elzar right post Light of the Jedi when he's like going through it and he's like okay well we're just stationed at the same place and we're both having a horrible fucking time. I'm leaving the Jedi Order. It'd be really powerful if he was at least friends or acquainted with Wreath's master Jorah. I think they would be a pretty powerful team. Although I think she could also kick his ass. But that's just me. The thing is, is you're completely right. Um, I was actually thinking, here is my... Welcome to my fan fiction that I am writing. Um, 
I do enjoy the idea of Tarvisla also going on that mission uh, from Into the Dark with Orla and Komak. <laughs> he just has the fucking dark saber, and he's like, "Listen, you dumbass snake, I'm gonna kill the shit out of you." <laughs> that is very powerful to me. Also, what? Ollie did just say in the chat, "Tar joins the Polycule." No, get him me. away from Stella no, uh, and Avar and, and Elsa. He disrupts the polycule on purpose. Um, yeah, so we have a couple other topics that we have come up with that we thought would just be fun chats about the High Republic. Um, this is still spoiler-free, you know. <laughs> so it's it's spoilers up into the rising storm. Yes, I correct. The... Does everybody want to drop their kin list real quick? Okay, I'll go. My kin list is composed of Bell Zedifar. Um Wreath Silas, Imri Canteros, and Elzar Man. That's very powerful. You have a lot of poor little meow meows. Yeah, it's made me deeply question what the hell is wrong with me. I feel like that's a very good list. That's a very good list, all things considered. Yeah, it's also very like consistent. Like I'm like, I get I get you. I get that. They're all um guys they're just going through it so they are yeah they are all poor little meow meow also uh i considered it but i hated the thought of but i do uh unfortunately relate a lot to um marcus it's very sad and makes me feel sick but then again i also related a lot to anakin and he also makes me feel sick so you see that's kind of like a problem that i sometimes have with elzar is where i'm like hmm we are kind of having a similar emotion right now, but I I can't I can't dissect how how similar we are feeling. I don't want to think about it. My kin list is as follows. Um, I think my highest kin of the High Republic is unfortunately Honesty Weft. I it's pretty pretty rough that he is the the, the character I kin, uh, but I I don't think I have quite related in in such like a a deeply personal way to a a Star Wars character. Like I do really resonate with Hera Syndulla, um, just like some of her like larger like philosophical ideas. Uh, But honesty, I was like, oh, we have some shared trauma. We're going to be best friends. Uh, Not to say that my father exploded in a passion, um, because that is not (laughs) the scenario. (laughs) Anyways, I I think also on my kin list, I think in high school, I definitely would have said Vernestra Rowe. um, But now that I am an adult human being, sorry, you are so successful, girly. Uh, And not to say that I am not successful, but... You're a girl boss and you stay winning. Uh, and I have consecutively lost. Hence why I'm in Honesty Wef, Kimmy. <laughs> um, I think... I'm trying to think. There's one other character and my I forgot to write it down. And that's, I feel like, a real dummy head. I guess if I had to choose another character, I really relate to... Um, I think Keeve. Um... Now, we don't know, once again, like, a whole lot about, like, her internal monologue, but, like, there are just some things that, like, the, the relationship she has with Skier, I think, is really the, the big thing for me, um, that, like, I'm like, yeah, can you tell I have father issues? <laughs> Anyways. I just want to say that I, I do like that, um, I do find Key very relatable, too, but in the fact that, um, I also cannot stop fucking swearing and people have to be like, hey, watch your profanity. Same. Also, I can't believe I forgot it. 
Bell Zenifar. I cannot believe I forgot my boy. I think it's because I just like care about him so much. And like the idea of comparing the two of us, of me saying I kin Bell Zenifar, that's my boy. That's my favorite Star Wars character, I believe. So I'll go. Um, mine actually consists of characters that none of you said. Um, so I think my number one kin, um, I, <laughs> so, <laughs> so my first one, I think, I, this is in no particular order, because I don't know if any of them are like my number one, but one I relate to a lot is Comac. I think Comac has a lot of stuff where he's like, I have dealt with some things and I have dealt with losing people before and I never really coped with it in the way I probably should. Um, so that was very hashtag relatable. Um, he also has just like a tinge of like gifted kid burnout syndrome. Not a lot, but like just enough that I'm like, as someone who is also like in academia, I'm like, and someone who is planning on pursuing a career in academia, I'm like that, I can relate to this gentleman because there's a point where it's like, oh, you have so many aspirations. And I'm like, I think I'm actually just going to read for a living. The other one that I think, I'm noticing a lot of a theme here. The other one I think is Des Rydan because Des also does have a matter of like, what am I even doing? Like, who am I? What is my plan? Um, who seems, I think, very put together but there are cracks. Um, and I relate to that very deeply. Um, also, he's just very cool and sexy, and I'm also very cool and sexy. Um, same with Comac. The other two that I have, um, I also relate a lot to Affy. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I kin her, but there's just something there, something about it, her, her like tenacity and her saying like, look, there's a lot going on with me. Um, I think very specifically about when the Nile are attacking <laughs> the ship and she's like, that's cool. I got to get my codes. Something about like everything is chaos. I'm just going to focus on the thing I need to do and get out. Like that's very relatable. And the last one that I have is Burry. I just think it's, I just think it's cool that he's like, I don't really know how to communicate, but I'm very empathetic. And you know, again, I'm very, I'm a very cool, empathetic person. So Ali entering their empath era. is No, no, no. Here's the thing. I'm an empath, so it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> I'm thinking about that moment now in Night of the Jedi where Burry's like talking to people and they cannot understand him, but he is still responding to everything they're saying. Like, yeah, that's it. I- I'm trying my best to to help people. Thanks for thanks for asking. And they're like, I don't know what you just said. And he's like, I know you don't know what I'm saying, but it's okay. I know what I'm saying and I know what you're feeling, so it's okay. There's something very powerful, I think, about Burry. He's just such like a like a positive individual. And every situation we see him in is just him being like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm here to help. And if not, I'll just stand over here. Here you go. All right, go for it. Love you. <laughs> um, that actually uh, does bring us to another question. Um, this was one that Mel and Noah answered in the last Rogue Ones um, that was sent in by, I believe, uh, Crime Lord Amidala on TikTok, which was, could you fight Burry, both like physically or emotionally? I don't feel like, if, okay, so Burry is a Wookiee, and I know he's still a young, young guy. I do feel like that kind of like, yeah, he's a young guy, but he's also like a Wookiee and he has a lightsaber. And 
last time I checked, I am not a Wookiee and I do not have a lightsaber. So I, I do think he might be able to beat me there. Um, also the emotional toll that it would take to hurt that little guy. He's just a little guy. As you guys talked about, I don't think I could do it. Yeah, I uh, I did live tweet all my reactions to listening to Mel and Noah's um, Rogue One. And I did also answer this before in my live tweets. But uh, I also don't think I could beat Burry in a fight because like all he said, he is he is a Wookiee. <laughs> and I, um, you guys can't see, but I do have noodle arms. I do have stick arms. I have no upper body strength. So in like, uh, even if he didn't have his lightsaber, because uh, if he had his lightsaber, he would immediately win, no question. But even without the lightsaber, he could still just probably um, pick me up and then throw me across the room <laughs> and I would be dead. Not Burry Batista bombing Jess. But uh, emotionally too, I think Burry is more emotionally competent. So he would beat me emotionally. He'd be like, I'm here for you. And then I would cry because, yeah, just I am also one of those people that's like oh, constantly going through it and all it takes when I'm really at the like precipice of having a breakdown to someone being like, are you okay? And then I will fucking explode. To answer some more questions, um, this is about another High Republic character. Sage at Sage Syndulla did ask how to uh, adopt Imri. Our friend Julia Christine also asked yes. that. Um, the first step is you have to beat back Vernestra and say, <laughs> like, because I do believe that she will fight to keep her boy. Canonically, yes, she has fought to keep her boy. Yeah, um, so that's yeah. The, so that's, if you I can beat Vern, if you can beat Vern, then you're a bit closer to uh, adopting Emery. But I think you'd also need Emery's consent <laughs> because he is like 15 and can very much think for himself. He'd be like, I'm sensing right now some sad emotions. Do we want to talk about that? And then <laughs> it's all downhill from there. Suddenly he is adopting you and you are Vern's Padawan's Padawan. <laughs> Not teen dad, Imri. I do like the theme of Star Wars being like, oh, you're like going through the teen years. Here, have a younger teenager to take care of. Very Anakin and Ahsoka of them. I mean, I guess Anakin was like 20, but he was still like, he was younger than all of us are now. When Emotional he... maturity. Fern is still like, um, you know, one-upping Anakin. Once she became a Jedi Knight before he did, like Anakin was already pretty young Jedi Knight, right? But she became Jedi Knight at 15, got a Padawan at 16. Look at her. And her Padawan's only two years younger than her. I bet you by anything, by, that, by age 19, she's going to be on the council. And a master. They're like, yeah, Master Vernestra Rowe, a member of the Jedi Council. So sorry to Mace Windu. Um, you being the youngest person ever to be granted the rank of master has been revoked. It is now Vern 200 years earlier. How old was Mace when he got? He was 28. Oh, shit. Good yeah. for him. Good yeah, for, good for him. I love to, that for Mace Windu. <laughs> to quote Olivia Rodrigo, good for you. I think I'm going to combine two of these questions that we got. Um, Cactile yeah. um, on Instagram and um, Lilith at Crime Lord Amidala asked kind of similar questions about like who our favorite characters are in the High Republic. Uh, Lil did kind of ask more about like non-Jedi characters. So I think if we just present it like 
to like this is my favorite higher public character this is my favorite non-jedi higher public character um i can go first i'm i can shoot from the hip pretty confidently um i think it's obvious if you follow me on twitter bell zedifar is my favorite star wars character period the the evolution of me having like i'm like passively like oh this is a good boy reading led the jedi to finishing the rising storm and ha- grieving just so much thinking about that boy um I, I know that was very ominous ollie i'm very sorry um it just like he's he's my special boy um and in terms of non-jedi um I, it's difficult because my favorite non-Jedi character is in a book that we ha- have, are not discussing in this episode, but I think of the, the characters that we have here, probably Honesty Weft, um, or maybe even Leox. Leox is just delightful. I want, I want to know everything about that gentleman. He's just, I'm obsessed with his mind. I also, I think for my favorite non-Jedi character is probably also Leox. Um, I think Leox is an absolute bundles of joy. Um, every time that man would speak, I was just like, oh my God, so true, bestie. I feel like if Leox asked me for my credit card information and my social security number, I would give it to him. Um, and he would cherish it. He wouldn't sell it to the black market. He would just yeah, cherish it. Yeah, I, I 100%, I agree. He'd put it, he'd write it down and like put little hearts around it and pin it up in the, in the vessel. <laughs> um, but my favorite Jedi character, it's hard because I like, I'm not to be like, I like all of them. Um, but one character that I really like is Orla. Um, I think Orla's really interesting. I think her story is so different because the perspective of being a Jedi who is sort of losing faith in the order and what the order means um, is not super uncommon in Star Wars, we have like a lot of content about being like, what is the order? Um, But seeing someone who says, I don't know if I have faith in the order, but I have faith in the force and I have faith in the individual Jedi. Um, I just need to like figure out what I'm doing with my life and what, how I feel the force. Like, I think that's such an interesting take and her lightsaber is very cool and she's very sexy. It would have been very epic if Orla trained Rey. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Also, they both have the, the, they, well, this is only for like, uh, Empress Palpatine when she goes through her little dark moment in (laughs) the Rise of Skywalker, when she does have the double bladed, like elbow joint staff. It was a sign. That was Orla being like, I'm so sorry. I'm not here to help you right now. (laughs) I do also think it's pretty epic that uh, she also, I mean, Ahsoka too, I'm pretty sure, right? Um, canonizing more the the cleansing of a, a red kyber crystal, like bleeding it out to turn it into white one. So uh, there, there's um, Orla being more epic with her cool white blades. <laughs> My favorite, I'll start with like Jedi first because we were talking about Orla. Um, it is really hard because all the Jedi in the, the High Republic have something about them that's just like, wow, y'all, you're all so epic. <laughs> and like, no offense to um, any other era Jedi, but again, the High Republic Jedi cast is just um, built different. And I think this should not come as a surprise considering uh, the way I keep talking about Vern in this podcast, but I think my favorite Jedi is... Vernestra, 
she's just put together accomplished at such a young age and I'm like damn could never be me but you go girl uh really girl boss honorary I love her relationship with Emery and just yeah again how she is able to empathize with like people even if they aren't like Jedi she's she's everything to me that is my uh, special girl I know I said before Omega my special girl but I think Vern is like quickly coming up there too to be like no I'm the new special the new special girl my favorite non-Jedi it is also uh like if we're like picking between like these like three books and the comics but there's not really non-Jedi in the comics except I guess the Huts and the Nihilus. Leox also he it meant so much to me to see uh, him as like a canonically ace person in Star Wars because I'm also ace so it's just like oh shit there this person is ace <laughs> especially since um they were talking about sex so like really caught me off guard when he's just like oh yeah I- I've tried it it's not really my thing I know other people that's their thing but I'm I'm good the way I am. just want to be a pilot and it's just like oh my god are you asexual <laughs> is this happening right now <laughs> also I think my, my dream blood rotation he's there do you I, like that we have a character who is canonically doing drugs the entire time he's, he's in the book my one of my favorite parts of into the dark is when i think it's des who is like you know dying and he's yeah. like wait i got something for this and he just like lays some spice on him and he's like hey guys the line was, and then <laughs> the line was with orla where she was like earlier she's like i found your stash and then later he's like he's like no it's medicinal and then later he's like i told you it was medicinal i know that's so good because des is like actually yeah i think it's working he's like see i told you not chekhov's blunt leox jossie we are leox jossie stands in this house um he's just the type of character you don't see a lot like where it's like he's just a good he's just a good guy like with his type of personality too. I, I think there's like a, a stereotype with asexual people that they're like they're like these cold, calculating, like sexless beings. And it's like that's <laughs> most of the ace people I know are not like that at all. Yeah. I, I think it's it was a really like nice take. I really enjoyed seeing that aspect and it really does help diversify you know, the High Republic and diversify the universe of Star Wars and saying like, not everyone is, you know, not everyone's fucking. Yeah. And not everyone's fucking period. The two genders, cishet and fucking. (laughs) Cishet and fucking. (laughs) Oh, well, I mean, I think this was another perfect transition into it of the two genders being cis and fucking. I like the idea of every trans person in the galaxy just like, or like, we fucking um, <laughs> um who do we had because i i know in our conversation we were basically just like everyone is trans until proven otherwise everyone in this galaxy is trans at this moment i do believe like everyone in the higher public has has a trans energy like 100 percent, i believe that um but there are some that i feel like very strongly about um and that was the first one i think is avar chris I don't know why, but something about that just feels like so good. Um, I think the other thing too is like the way that she, like I think something really cool about Avar is that she does present like like femininity and she is a feminine 
woman for all intents and purposes. Um, but she is never like devalued or made to be like lesser. And I think there is a problem in Star Wars with women and being seen as like fully fledged um, characters without it being about the fact that they are a woman, not that we can't have stories about that. But I just think something about Avar Chris being a trans woman is so powerful to me. Funny that yours is um, Avar because mine is also a member of the polycule, but I think Elzar I was, is the trans one. I agree 100%. I believe I do like them being T for T. That T is very T. good. And that would also explain why Avar is so quick to like correct people on like getting correct pronouns yes. because one for herself, but also one for her um, bestie slash um, member of her polycule, Elzar. I do love that. Um, can I just say with my headcanon that the polycule is actually T for T for T. I think Stellan Geos is transgender. Um, speaking of which, I also believe his his once Padawan, Vernestra Rowe, also uses she, they pronouns. Um, until proven otherwise, we just haven't heard those set of pronouns used for them. <laughs> Who is to say? Um, I think that there's just a vibe about them. And of course, we don't get to, to really see this in the thing the content that we have covered thus far um especially like stellan but with uh with vernestra like there's just an energy that she has that she brings that i'm like there's a level of like non-conformity with her where it just it feels very maybe because she's just so relatable and i'm like i use they them pronouns you know who else i think should everyone in this but specifically vernestra i also i'll just rattle them off here's my other very specific ones i care a lot about reese silas I do believe that. I'm 100% for that too. Um, also Orla, there for that. I also think Comac has big he-they energy. Um, basically everyone from the Rising Storm, um, if stated otherwise, does also use they pronouns. I was going to say, is it bad that I also deeply think that Mark is trans? And that's also why he had bad problems with his dad, because his dad is a transphobe. Kasov, because Kasov uses he they pronouns. I love, I love hearing Ollie's thoughts about Kasov because here's the thing: that gentleman died in Light of the Jedi, and then I never thought about him again. But I do bring him up like once a yeah. once a day at least. Yeah, it's... Um, this actually does dovetail very nicely into another thing we wanted to talk about is. Um, which of the Tempest runners would you like be a part of? Well, I don't remember what their squads are called. Which um, which Tempest would you follow? I'll shoot from the hip. Uh, I am. I do think uh, Lorna D is scary, but I also deeply hate Panetta because uh, <laughs> yeah, fuck that man. He seems very uh, transphobic and homophobic and just all the phobics. <laughs> But um, and then Kasov, he's deeply troubling. <laughs> Him and his Katy Perry like rave like drug party scares me. I think more than Lorna D. So I am picking Lorna D's little squad. I think she's um cool, even though she does scare me. Like she's a cool girl boss, and I'd like to be on her squad. That seems to be uh winning. <laughs> I agree. Um, I think Panetta is just there's something about that gentleman that I do not enjoy. I don't know. I don't know quite what it is. I can't put my finger on it. 
Uh, actually, I can. I just don't want to spoil anything. Um, I, I, I hate that gentleman. Vibe is rancid. Read The Rising Storm. You'll know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, Kassiv, here's the problem with that gentleman. Besides the fact that, like, the Katy Perry rave music would be, like, a lot for me personally. Um, like, I just have, like, a lot of sensory... Sensi- issue processing senses. Like, I you get overwhelmed very easily especially like with audio um and so going on that ship sounds like a goddamn nightmare because <laughs> it's just like smelly and also dark horse by katie perry is playing um and lorna d is a milf is the thing so i'm like hey girly do you wanna do you need a, a bestie um i will do anything for you uh and then she'd probably kill me and that's okay i do like um mel's simp era that's very powerful. Um, I do think Lorna D will probably be the best boss. That being said, I think I would have to work for Casa. And I say that for a very specific reason. I like things done a certain way. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm like type A personality about it or anything. Um, but I do like to have things in certain orders. And I feel like with Kasav, it's like they're not doing anything in any particular order so if I could show up and be like his assistant and I can just kind of do things the way I want to do them that make sense to me and then just be like yeah just ask me if you need anything and I'll just like help you do it um I feel like I would be pretty good like no one's gonna step on my toes and be like hey don't do that that way like as long as I'm not like being annoying or whatever like they're not gonna care so I feel like that could work out for me um also like little lore drop is like I don't drink I don't partake in any uh drugs um so I would be completely sober um and I would probably be the only sober one on that ship sober on that goddamn ship sounds like a nightmare (laughs) well but that's the thing is if I'm the only one who's sober I'm gonna be the one who's like all right I'm in control here basically Ollie is the DD yeah no literally like I will be the DD of Kasav's whole situation and I just think that that could be a role that I could succeed in and I think obviously I think when Kasav goes to do his whole thing in light of the Jedi I'll just kind of be like I'm gonna go and then maybe I'll get to be the third Tempest runner when he he gets exploded so I'm rising in the ranks Mark look out I'm coming for your neck that's very powerful I I love that for you Thank you. I'm entering the pyramid scheme and I'm becoming the top of the pyramid. We were speaking um, a little earlier about Miss Lorna D. Um, I think this is a good way to segue into this question. Who is the best High Republic MILF? So I have my answer um, immediately. Um, I actually have two. Um, the first one I think is Tayami, um, who is the Duros Jedi who does... Um, sadly pass away in light of the Jedi um I just think she's cute she just seems like someone with MILF energy um but I want to put an honorable mention Nibaseek um something about her she's kind of I think maybe that's more like gilf territory I also was thinking about Nib because she does have very like mom vibes especially towards like Burry but yeah you're right I think that's more <laughs> gilf territory because she is uh kind of old um so I think my actual real answer about MILF is um Chancellor Lena So herself like she 
is really pretty. I saw that concept art. I do also really dig her cool um fuck, what are the name of her little beasts or, or her pals that hang out with her all the time? I forgot. I just call them lions in yeah, my head. Her, her space lions. Her poor little meow meows. <laughs> her poor little meow meows are really cool. And she actually is a mom because she does have a son. Uh, although that's rising storm territory, but yeah. So she's she's cool. She's definitely a MILF in my eyes. Here is the thing. I think the answer is very obvious for me. It's Lorna D. Um, and you may say, Mel, that's not a MILF. We don't know Lorna's age. And if there is some evidence in some books that are to come that she is hung out at least with one mom canonically. Not her own mother, just like a mom. So I'm just saying MILF. Um, she does not have any maternal energy about her. She is very kind of the opposite. Like, I do not trust her with a child. Um, but she's a MILF in the way that she is a mom I would like to <laughs> Um, no, she's just very powerful. And I, I love to see a girl boss winning. I think another MILF um, that we need to acknowledge is um, Avon's mom. Gira is everything to me. Um... I love that, like, I, I know she has a complicated relationship with her daughter, um, but hey, I am willing to become Avon's step-parent. Like, let's let's get into it. There is one more character, I think, who I was going to mention and I totally forgot about, um, who is actually MILF age. I think a lot of people forget that, and that is one Orla Jereni. Um, A lot of people are like, oh, she's younger than but like I don't think people process the fact that she has to be in her like if not her late 30s her 40s um because it was 25 years that she had her little flashback moment and she was at least probably at least 17 then so I'm not good at math but do the numbers I'm sure it works out um I was also actually going to say I completely forgot because I don't know if she technically counts as a MILF. I think she's actually more of like a, a wine ant in Deer Stokes. Correct. Um, I will dip into my theory that I do think if she had a TikTok, Indira would do like MILF thirst traps. Um, um, oh my god. <laughs> I just think it'd be very funny. The idea of Loaded Great Storm being a TikTok dad of being like, what is that gentleman's account name? Is it your... It's just your, your Korean, Korean dad. dad. But it's yeah. like your Jedi dad. Your Twilight Jedi, dad. Your Twilight dad. Yeah. being like, I'm cooking eggs this morning. And then Belle being in the background of the video and people being like, who is the boy? And this is crucial to the story. Belle does not make TikToks. Absolutely. Belle is not on TikTok. Um, and people are like, Loden will go on like TikTok live and walk around the Alfrona, the outpost. And I'll be like, oh, this is my son, Belle. <laughs> And everyone's like, hi, Belle. And he's like, can you please turn that off? I'm trying to teach Ember how to sit up. I do like, because, you know, Mel's saying, like, oh, I'm cooking eggs this morning. But, like, um, that Porter's actually the one doing all the cooking. And fucking <laughs> Loden's taking all the credit for it. Oh, no. The idea of Loden, Loden filming Porter making food and then, like, being like, yeah, I cooked that. And then, like, someone in the comments being like, I saw, like, huge hands also not green also yeah and then he's like no i was wearing gloves <laughs> 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 just like lying just like not like 
not bad lies, just, well, bad lies in the sense that he's bad at lying, but, like, just, like, just, like, shit, like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Lying for clout loading Greystorm is a very good concept. Um, I do think influencer Loden's very funny. Um, I do also hate the idea that after Loden does, um, have his fun little thing happen to him at the end of Lord of the Jedi, Bell inherits his account and is like, what am I supposed to do with this? It just broke my heart to think about the idea of Bell having to come onto TikTok and being like, hey guys, um, so my dad did break his leg in a passion and then get kidnapped by the Nihil. Um, if you've seen him, let me know. Everyone's telling me he's dead, but I don't think that's true. Not... <laughs> TikTok, do your thing. Find my master. Not true crime podcaster oh, no. Bell Zedifar. Serial host We hope you enjoyed our discussion of the High Republic. Keep an eye out for the next regular episode of RuPalp's Pod Race. If you enjoyed this, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us at RuPalp's Pod Race on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and subscribe to us on your preferred podcatcher. May the force be with you, and don't criff it up. Our light and life. Waka waka. <laughs> Ride the storm, besties. <laughs>